As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Orson Welles said, Jazz is the great revolution of the 21st century. And a revolutionist within that revolution would have to be Django Reinhardt, one of the most prominent guitarists of the 20th century. Despite only having two functional fingers, you could listen to his records, mistaking it for Yui Malmsteen on Adderall. This is the Expedition 2. Gypsy Jazz or jazz manouche, as known by the French, was arguably invented by Django Reinhardt. But to fully understand it, we need to go back a bit further. For Sandon Salon's WordPress article, Debussy, the father of jazz, delves into Debussy's involvement in starting the genre of jazz. This article goes into way more depth than I could, so I'm going to simply quote it. As a definable music genre, jazz was born in around 1917, just before Debussy's death. In essence, it's a musical language that emerged from West African dance music with syncopated rhythms and European popular music of the early 1900s, amongst other things. One of its precursors was ragtime, so-called for its ragged, syncopated rhythms. This was invented by Ernest Hogan in the late 19th century and fused African dance music. To skip ahead a little on his use of ragtime, Debussy came across ragtime probably in around 1900 and was the first classical composer to incorporate it into his music. In the, and I'm going to quickly break quote here because the name isn't the most PC of names, but bear in mind this was in the, uh, the 1900s. The uh, track was called uh, Gollywog's Cakewalk, but this was in 1906 and 1908. To skip further ahead again, ragtime had a blue tinge to it and this came across in these piano works. But it isn't just Debussy's pastiche piano works. Check the third movement of La Mir.
Debussy's impressionistic idiom was to have a profound influence on the development of jazz long after he was dead. In the same year Debussy published his second book of preludes, Jean-Baptiste Reinhardt was born. Reinhardt was brought up in a gypsy settlement just outside Paris and he is credited with inventing gypsy jazz, which combines a chromatic, moody flavour with swing. Most of the repertoire is in minor keys or modal. In 1940, Reinhardt recorded a piece called Nuage, or in English, Clouds, which is regarded as a zenith of gypsy jazz. Nuage is also a direct nod to Debussy, who wrote an orchestral piece of the same name. Reinhardt built on Debussy's extensive use of whole tone scales and modal harmonies to create a moody, dark atmosphere. You're currently listening to Nuage. Debussy from Beyond the Grave helped influence the artist who invented Gypsy Jazz. A similar parallel is found after Django's death in 1953, in which from Beyond the Grave his art would go to inspire countless new genres. To discuss this post Django's death, Boulou Fair in the documentary Django's Legacy discusses the link between classical and contemporary. He says that we are the links in the chain of musical history, assumably referring to Django's adoption of Debussy and his later influence, tying the link between Debussy and contemporary guitar music. The documentary I mentioned is attached and can be watched at the end of this episode. Despite being the king of gypsy jazz without even knowing it, he was a key component in the birth of heavy metal. A young Tony Iommi suffered from a catastrophic finger injury. Right, it was my last day at work. I went home for lunch and I said to my mother, I'm not going to go back. And she says, you go back to work, you finish off, don't you let them down. When my mother sent me back to work, they put me on a, a huge machine, a massive thing. And I didn't know how to work it. And as I was pushing the metal into the machine, it came down with such a force and bang. And it just trapped my fingers. And as I pulled my hand back, I pulled the ends of the fingers off. There was blood going all over the place. I don't even remember how I got to the, the hospital when somebody arrived with uh, my fingertips in a matchbox. And they were, I mean, they were just, as far as the hospital was concerned, I could never play again. I was extremely depressed and very down, and the manager from the factory came to visit me at home. Really, really nice guy. And then he told me the story, of course, about Django Reinhardt, who had lost his fingers, you know, through the fire. And it really, wow, God. And it really inspired me to, to really get on with it and start trying to play, because they were so, my fingers were so sensitive and painful that I got a washing up bottle and I melted it down into a ball and then I'd, I'd sit there with this big ball on my finger of plastic. It was very difficult because you couldn't feel the strings. The strings they made in them days were very heavy and certainly very heavy for me. I made my own sets up and then I dropped the gauge down to make a light set of strings and in fact that was the first official light gauge string ever made. I had to try and make whatever I could sound big because of my disabilities. I came up with another sound by tuning the guitar down. I wanted more gain, a dirty sound, more aggressive and more raw and fat. I plugged it into the bass socket of the amp, which gave it a bit more sort of pump. And that was my sound then. Of course, losing my fingertips was devastating. But in hindsight, it created something. It made me invent a new sound and a different style of playing and a different sort of music. So really, it turned out to be a good thing off a bad thing.
After being told by doctors that he would never be able to play again, he temporarily was coming to accept the fact that he won't play again. And if that had happened, we would have never have had Black Sabbath, nor Iron Maiden, nor Metallica, nor Judas Priest, nor Slayer, nor Anthrax, or Megadeth, or Slipknot, or Guns N' Roses, or Tool. Or at least not as we know it. There would be no heavy metal as we know it today without Django Reinhardt. And on top of that, he's not the only one. Jerry Garcia of the Grateful Dead also lost fingers, and Django served as an inspiration for him to carry on with his playing. Garcia was quoted in June 1985 in Fretz magazine. His technique is awesome. Even today, nobody has really come close to the state that he was playing at. As good as players are, they haven't gotten to where he is. There's a lot of guys that play fast, and there's a lot of guys that play clean, and the guitar has come a long way as far as speed and clarity go, but nobody plays with the whole fullness or expression that Django has. If my words did glow With the gold of sunshine And my tunes were played I mean, the combination of incredible speed, all the speed you could possibly want, but also the thing of every note having a specific personality. And even more recently, Joe Bonamassa also wrote the piece Django in honour of him. Also in another piece called Django, composed by John Lewis, it has become a jazz standard performed by Miles Davis, among others. Every great guitar player behind every great artist owes a debt to Django, whether they directly know it or not. popular culture, Reinhardt's music has been featured in the soundtracks of several video games such as the 2002 game Mafia, The City of Lost Heaven, Mafia 2, and in the 2007, 2010 and 2013 games Bioshock, Bioshock 2 and Bioshock Infinite. Games that I've lost countless weekends too. As well as the soundtrack of many films including The Matrix, Metroland, Chocolate or Chocolat if you're incredibly cultured like myself, The Aviator, Alex and Gypsy and many more. Musically, a big part of Gypsy Jazz I want to delve into is the chord progressions and the voicings used. I will be talking some music terminology here, so if you are a non-musician, uh, either smile and nod politely or Google it. But standard bar chords are not as common in Gypsy Jazz. Standard major and minor chords are almost never played and instead replaced by major 7th chords, major 6 chords and 6 over 9 chords. It has a large use of pentad chords. A common chord is a triad. So for the non-musicians listening, a triad is a chord made up of three notes. 
The chord you've just heard is C major. This has a simple black and white, either major or minor texture. Major or minor, happy or sad. Uh, having three notes, hence the name triad. Whereas a pentad, you guessed it, has five notes. This gives a bit more of a nuance to the emotion. A lot of the lead in Gypsy Jazz often contains arpeggios. I fully explain this concept of arpeggios in my Estonia episode, but briefly, an arpeggio is a lead line that is made up of the notes within a chord. So, hence earlier, when I explained what a triad was, where there was three notes that made up a chord, you could make a melody out of those three notes individually, rather than all at once. These are also decorated with a lot of playing techniques, such as trills, a pargatura, where the player would delay the first note of the melody with a note preceding it. It's almost like a stutter. As well as chromatic runs. where you essentially run up a scale with no gaps in between the notes, you'd play every note on the keyboard. There are various scales that can be implemented into this, such as the chromatic scale you just heard, the melodic minor scale, the diminished scale, and the use of modes, where the scale is dependent on its starting note, the tonic note. Again, the tonic note is something I discussed in the Estonia episode, so if some of these terms are going over your head, go have a quick listen to that episode as well. So for instance, in a C major scale, it would sound like this. As it starts on the C note, but start it on the D instead of the C, and play the exact same notes, and it will sound like this. A slightly different feel. Now start on E instead of D. Again, it changes the mood, and Gypsy Jazz utilizes this in its lead lines, especially the Dorian mode. This can create a plethora of flavors and can transition between chords and tonal textures at breakneck speed, giving a fast, upbeat, and frantic feel. But to summarize his place in society now, since his death in 1953, his music has echoed through the generations and has been, in my view, the single biggest voice in virtuoso guitar playing. He has been a prominent figure in heavy metal, the evolution of rock, the evolution of jazz, just to start. Not many artists give so much influence from beyond the grave, and I think this trend will continue. Any guitarist worth his salt should study him. Now to play us out, me and my friend Chris Blunt uh, played some music together. He's uh, a lot more versed in gypsy jazz than me, so he kind of showed me some chops. As usual, all, all references to the research I've done are attached with this episode, or if you're listening on Acast, will most likely be embedded in the episode. But to play us out...
Fucking hell, that kills your hands, man. Like that kind of slapping on the strings. Like, yeah, that's some real shit. I like that.